welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, I'm joined by a lovely guest, Yemisi Elegbede, also known as PYE. She's the author of the newly released book, Birth in the Promise. She'll be sharing her fertility journey with us today, and her details would also be in the show notes. So to start off, welcome, um, PYE. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ola. Thank you for having me on the show. And... May I also say thank you for what you're doing for thousands of women out there. Uh, I really appreciate all that you're doing, advocating for fertility. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. So to start off, can we also ask uh, for you to tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, my name is Yemi Silibide and um, well, a lot of people that know me call me PYE. And um, I got married 1997, that's over 23 years ago. And uh, I and my husband were trying to conceive for 17 and a half years. And um, of course that was what started my journey into knowing about fertility and the infertility struggles and what a lot of women go through. Okay, eventually we got a set of twins, wow. um, but that was really what started my journey. Mm. Wow, 17 and a half years, that's quite a long time. That was, a, yes, it was quite long. <laughs> it was quite long. And there were a lot of challenges on the way anyway, but um, we kept at it. Yeah. So, we got the set of twins. That's wonderful. Before we get into your fertility journey, I wonder if you could tell us how you and your spouse met. Okay. Um, uh, in fact, the, the meeting was quite um, accidental. Well, I went to serve in Yobe State and I wasn't even supposed to go, but um, my dad's friend that was helping me um, forgot that I was supposed to serve that year and um, he didn't remember to tender my name so that was how I found myself in Yobe State. Uh-huh. Then my husband too came to serve after his master's you know in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, architecture students serve after their master's so we happen to be in the same fellowship um, they call it NCCF I don't know if they still call it that Nigeria Coppers Fellowship Mm-hmm. And I happened to be in the choir. So he was our choir leader. And um, so he was just a leader member thing. It wasn't anything, but that was where we met. But, you know, because of that um, close relationship that members of the choir have, our friendship continued till we got back to Lagos. So I think a few years down the line, that was how we started dating, and eventually he ended in marriage. Wow, that's wonderful. We thank God for NYSE, right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for, for this exactly. divine uh, meetup. <laughs> exactly, that was why I said that. I wasn't even supposed to save them because I almost didn't go. But it was my mom that mm-hmm. said, well, instead of sitting at home, why, does, why don't you just go? So I, mm-hmm. and that was where I met the husband to be. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> And was there like a particular time that you knew you wanted to be a mom? Was it when you were younger mm-hmm. or when you met him or along the line? Well, you know, um, when you get married, it's really part of your plan. But um, ironically, I wasn't uh, thinking that with the first year because I just told him that, you see, we just got married. We're still trying to understand each other. I don't think we should rush into adding uh, children into the mix. Let's try and get to know each other first. So in fact, the first one year we were we were using all sorts of birth control so mm. that we would not have children. Then the following year, I thought of it that okay, so now we have survived the first one year. You know, they always <laughs> one year yeah. quiet. And, you know, you are still trying to get to know each other. So, so many things come up the first yeah. one year with two different people, with two different ideologies coming together. It could be quite, uh, it could be a bit challenging. And of course, we had our challenges along the way, but it was something we could manage. They were not, um, they were not too divergent. We, mm-hmm. we found out that, okay, our friendship kept us so we could, navigate the one year very well so this following year was like, okay so let's start trying for babies now and um it wasn't happening but you see it was maybe because um it wasn't something that was you know there are people that they give themselves a target in nine months i want to get pregnant i wasn't mm-hmm. like that so we didn't really see it as a big thing. So when it didn't happen the following year, I just thought that, oh, okay, it will happen the third year. So, and um, I think it was the first or fifth year that at first I was a bit concerned because almost all the people that we got married together were already pregnant with children. So I brought this also to my husband, ah, don't you think we should go to the hospital to find out what we're going to do? Ah, why are you budging yourself? Don't bother. It will happen. Don't let's start stressing ourselves over babies. That after all, you didn't even want it the first one year anyway. But I said, but it's going to the fourth, fifth year. My husband was just very um, casual about it. That don't I don't want you to start stressing yourself. So just leave it. And I think then too, I had a very small stature. In fact, people doubt that I was even married. <laughs> I was that tiny, so they doubt. In fact, most times people tell me that you really married. In fact, there was somebody that told me that I went to borrow ring, <laughs> ring to dissuade the guys, and I'm like, really, I'm married. <laughs> Until they met my husband, that was when a lot of people in my office then believed that I was really married because I had such a very small stature. Maybe that was it, or maybe mm. because my husband was such a very calm and understanding person, there wasn't any pressure. So I was even the one that was pressuring him. He wasn't pressuring me. So that was what happened. So it wasn't really something that I really put my heart to until maybe 
the sixth or seventh year. I think it was even somebody that we were just, you know, office gist when we were just talking. And someone just said, Are you, when are you even going to have children? You've been married for a while. And I'm like, ah, I'm still young. Then, of course, you know how people could be quite insensitive. What do you mean? You are young, you are young. You've been married for how long? Of course, that word really touched me. And I felt very gripped. And when I got home, I told my husband, and it was coming me down that, no, don't take it like that. And I'm like, really? We really need to do something about it. That time is going. So, of course, I my office then we had a clinic that was attached to the office. So, we had two. I was used to going to the one, but my colleague now said, let's go to the other person because the other person is a gynecologist. So of course we went there and they ran all the preliminary tests. And uh, what they just said was that there, there isn't really anything wrong that I should uh, come with my husband and we went together. Of course, it was also tested and they told him that there was nothing wrong. So I said, okay, there's nothing wrong. So why are we not having children? In fact, the doctor said that, okay, um, they gave us like six months. If nothing is still happening, we should come back and uh, I like to say that throughout this period all this period I never for one day ever missed my period so it wasn't as if maybe I had a miscarriage or something I just wasn't so that was giving me concern but you know still with me okay so yes. that was really how the journey started so I think it was really about the sixth or the seventh year that I really 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 was concerned and even uh, despite all that my husband said, I just felt that, man, I'm the woman and everybody keeps looking at you, you know, mm -hmm. in uh, Nigeria, then Yoruba land again. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's just saying, how far, how, how are you? You know, I see that's just the ultimate, you understand? And uh, you now start. So I had to tell my husband that nobody looks at you, you are the man. Everybody keeps staring at me as if I'm the problem. So I really need to look into it. And of course, my mom too was not getting worried. What is this? What is happening? What? <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, I'm doing something about it. Ah, so of course she called my husband to that. Ah, what is going on? My husband said, Mommy, don't worry. He said, No, I'm worried. You men, that's how you behave. You just be saying, Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> you know, parents, of course, uh, his mom too, his dad was late, but his mom too was a bit worried. But um, they, well, I like to say that my in laws were very quiet, they were very understanding people. But, of course, she asked, are you guys doing something about it? Are you sure? Do you need us to, you know, maybe yeah. take you to places? But of course, they know we're Christians. So just taking to places, it doesn't <laughs> even care. It just, it's not just something we could even consider. So, of course, she, she will still say it. But my husband will say, Mommy, don't worry. I've told you we're working on it and we are working on it. So that's why I was able to face my husband. You keep saying we're working. What exactly are we doing? <laughs> we have to ask them, what else do you want us to do that we are not doing? At first, you thought that my not going to the hospital was maybe that was issue. Okay, we've gone for tests. 
they didn't really see anything. Okay, so I think it was about eighth or ninth year down the line. My senior pastor in church is a medical doctor, and of course, he was quite close to our family. So he had to sit me down, started telling me that you, you just can't keep quiet. Okay, you've gone to one doctor, they said there wasn't anything. Since then, that was about now three years down the line. You really need to go for another test. Let's see. So we had a senior colleague that was a gynecologist and I think he was also into obstetrics. And so I had to go and meet him. He ran some tests and uh, of course they called my husband to uh, run some tests. Then they discovered that um, for me, I had fibroids. Um, the fibroids were quite small, but they were like, okay, let's, um, since um, we've tried all the tests and everything, why don't you guys consider IVF? Honestly, as at that time, I hear it, but it's not something people really talk about like that, you know? That was um, yeah. the early 2000. Um, even people that used it, you just hear them, let me praise the Lord. I, I was trying to <laughs> Of course. I gave birth. You understand? Nobody actually tell you what they did. So we all just, we are all thanking the Lord with them. But nobody really breaks it down to you. Now, oh, I now did this. So I really didn't know much about it. So when my doctor said that, I said, hey, really? I did said okay so we went for one of the clinics in lagos and of course they ran their own extensive test and so they discovered that um, my husband had a tuba blockage mm. so they actually recommended surgery right. then for me the lady complained again about um, my the fiber but um, I told her, I said, but this fibroid, I was told that they are tiny because we could see the scan. Yeah. Uh -huh. I even did uh, laparoscopy and stereoscopy. I hope I'm pronouncing those Oh, yes, now. you are. <laughs> so they checked everything. The fibroids were there, which is sort of an obstruction, but they were quite tiny. So they said that, okay, let's go ahead. And... Uh, Fortunately, then I think it was a process ICSI. They, mm. they started ICSI in that clinic. So uh, the doctors now said that, okay, rather than doing the surgery, which they are not sure could correct the tuba, okay, they will just go to the roots and bring the sperm out, which they did. And they were even telling my husband that, ah, your sperm uh, cells are so rich there. So you understand that mm. they just be, aha. So that was sorted. So we did the first IVF, which was successful. But um, eight weeks down the line, they, I started bleeding and the pain was horrible. And that was how I kept going for different scan, managing me, even though my doctor now made some comment that I wasn't properly managed. And there was some monal drugs they should have given me to support the pregnancy which maybe was an oversight or maybe they forgot that wasn't done and so 
um, anyway, we lost our pregnancy. Ah, I'm so me. sorry. Yeah. I think the world ended. I was, it was, no, it was, you know, after waiting for, as at that time, 12 years, then for the first time, you actually saw that positive report. Then I think about two or three weeks after I started sporting and we did everything, you know, everything we need to do. I was on permanent bed rest. My boss in the office was very, very accommodating and very supportive. Everybody just said I should be on the bed. Mm. I so laid down. I wasn't even moving an inch. My husband was just all over me, just do everything. If I had people that were waiting on me, hand and foot, mm. but bleeding just didn't stop. Then the pain was so intensive, it was bad. And so that was how um, he had to evacuate eventually because the fetus stopped growing. And so the doctor just recommended that we should which was done but uh, for weeks after I wasn't I couldn't even go back to work I wasn't just myself I was like a daze you know everything just looked so dark and black and bleak and it wasn't it wasn't funny at all but thank God for the word of God the fellowship of my friends I had very good supportive friends very mm. few knew what I was going through but they were there for me, encouraged me, you know, and of course my husband too was there just saying that just have to be strong. I know it's quite painful and all that. So my boss just said, I should take the time off. I should come back when I'm ready. Mm. She's a doctor anyway, so wow. I think that also helped she, because she also felt very, very, very bad. So, of course, I went back to work and... Um, my doctor just said, I think you guys should go back for another um, cycle, yeah. which we went back for. And now that cycle was really very funny because uh, the day he wanted to retrieve the egg, I just saw like four doctors coming yeah. and they were like, sorry, madam, we, we lost the egg. What? Yeah, I'm saying all this so that um, as many people out there can learn that you face a lot of struggles on the journey. Yes, they lost the <laughs> egg, imagine. After, and then was the days we used to take 60 something injection. So Ooh. after going through all those injections, the stress, because I hit the needle. So in fact, my husband became my nurse. <laughs> We used to joke about it, but he became my nurse and he injected me every night. So after all those stress, and lost now the egg. they lost the egg. They lost ah. the egg. Okay, um, I forgot something. Before we went to the second cycle, my primary doctor said, well, since they said that um, if, and there was fibroid, and because of the pain I was not experiencing during the pregnancy, that the, I should go for a fibroid surgery. So right. We actually scheduled the surgery and I went for the surgery. Really, the fibroids were tiny because they showed me. I couldn't really look at them, but they made me look at them. But the doctor was telling me that, oh, really? 
where the, the location of the fibroid, there was no way baby could have grown there because really uh -huh. where the um, um, eggs we implant, the embryos we implant, that's where the fibroid was. And that was what killed the fetus because they couldn't grow. That was because they planted three. I think two, um, when they checked the first time, they saw two sacs. Then when we went for another scan, then they only saw one. So it was that one that stayed for like eight, nine weeks but then before the evacuation. So they did all that. So I waited another 12 weeks before I now started another cycle. So they, they lost the egg and then the hospital now offered to give me a free cycle to replace the one where they lost the egg. But you see, as at that time, maybe because of all the pressure, the stress, the trauma of losing the egg. Yeah. I parents are really going for that cycle because psychologically I wasn't ready, but because they just said, okay, let's do it. I just said, okay, let's also, also do it. And of course it didn't work. And um, that was when the doctor now suggested that, well, madam, I don't think you should use your egg again. You should just go for donor. I really don't have any issues about donor books. Maybe the way she said it, because she was quite um, sarcastic about it. That, you see, uh, we told you, um, we, we lost the egg, really. We now offered you another cycle, but did this still work? It didn't work, you know? What? Something like that. It was that's quite Woof. That's a terrible yeah. way to, to communicate. Tell you, I'm telling you, it was terrible. I, I still cannot deal with it, even till occasionally i tried to take it off me but you know when i remember i'm like i couldn't believe that i was a doctor exactly and a female doctor too and a female a Oof. female doctor too i was quite that really got to me so i just told myself i said man i'm not doing it again so i told my husband i said forget it i'm not even doing it again. let's forget this so for like three four years i was not interested I was not even giving it attention. I did yeah. not even, no, I wasn't, I just stopped. Even in church, when they pray, you know, normally those waiting for the fruit of the womb, I don't even bother myself to come out. When they pray, I don't say amen. I just told myself that it's over. God, I've tried. So when I get to heaven, I'll tell you that I tried. And that was it. I just took my mind off. So my husband said, well, if that is what you want, I will, I will agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> they want to carry the pregnancy, so I can't force you. Of course, a lot of people thought I was, there was something wrong. My pastor called me, said, what happened? But you were so excited about this. I said, well, pastor, I've tried. I've tried. Have I not tried? I've tried. The pressure and the stress is even too much. Let me just enjoy my life. It's not compulsory, you know. He said, yes, I know, but you, it's something you said you wanted. I said, I do, and I've tried that. The terrain was really very toxic. Even doctors are now talking to me. I said, I do. if that is it, then let's leave it. It's not compulsory. And you see, um, my husband and I, our homes are was very open. We actually had um, some people that we were mentoring 
Mm. And I, I, I have about two or three of them that stayed with me at different times. So right. they were more like my children, really. In fact, people tell me that ah, these ones are your children now. And I thank God that all three of them are happy now, happily married now. Oh, and that's wonderful. So, yeah, so I had, I always had people with me. I always had people I mentor because I sort of like young people. Mm. So I always like them around me. And I always have a lot of them around me because my husband and I also pastor. So yes. we have the opportunity to mentor young people. And these ones are the ones that stay. In fact, till now, they, their children call me grandma. <laughs> so we just had that big happy family thing so I want it wasn't something that was really bothering me because I know that when I needed things I had people around me that could support me and all that so for that time I just let it go but you see my sister was like no 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 the, you told me that this is something you want why don't you just try again I said I'm tired. I've, I've tried. So, of course, she just told herself that well, she'll be praying for me since that is the. Because, see, once your mind is not there, there's nothing anybody can say or do. They can't fool you. Uh, it's all about you. So, I just told everybody that I'm not interested. Don't even talk to me about it. Um, that's not. Um, but eventually, um, I think towards the fourth year, I just started thinking about it again. You know, I, I was always having dreams. I would see these babies. Then, of course, you know, people will come, of course, very close friends that I open up to. That ah, I saw you with baby. I say thank you. In fact, there was one of them that was quite close to me. She's more like a big sister. And she was like, I can see a girl holding your leg. I said, tell the girl to come now. Who is holding your leg? <laughs> <laughs> it's about you i said how you have taken your mind off i said okay but it, really i wasn't i wasn't praying about it i wasn't praying about oh god there was a time that was my day-to-day -day, you know put yeah. it in your prayer journal it's the beginning of a new year. Oh God, this is the year. You know, get get yourself excited. I stopped yeah. doing all that. It wasn't, it wasn't even in my concentration. Around that time, I think I took a break. I even went to do some courses and I did mm. very well. I did very well in the courses. So I was so excited, you know, at least the things I could control around me, I was yeah. on top of them. So that was giving me joy and I looked for other things I could do that took my attention because sometimes that pressure can really make you go gaga. And I just told myself that my mental health is too important to me. I don't want anything that would depress me, get me upset or invade my space. I just need my life. I just want to be focused. But Towards this fourth year, really, I started having those dreams. I'll see the children. Oh, I wasn't telling anybody, it was just me. I was saying, I was like, ah, what is going on? But I thought I'd written all this thing that that's the end, and I'm not going into it again. Why am I seeing pictures of babies, babies, babies? And honestly, around that time, so many people were like, ah, we saw you with baby. We ah, 
I was like, now wow, all these, you saw me with baby, you saw me. <laughs> okay, so um, I think um, that fourth year too, that was not like going to the 15th year. So um, there was a friend of uh, my husband's client. He's quite elderly. It was, uh, it was in her late 60s as a day. Mm. So I think um, he just did a project for her in GRE. And uh, he was there, went to see her. We were discussing with the husband about the project. And so as my husband was leaving, he just said, oh, um, architect, wait, wait, I have um, fruits for you. Please let me give your children. Now, you see, this is a reported speech because my husband was the one telling me later that maybe that day was in a low mood because normally if you tell my husband that I greet your children, if I would say, oh, yes, thank you, you never know. Yeah. And then that day, maybe his expression. So the woman was, ah, architect, what happened? We're here to our children. He said, really? I never knew what happened. Come, 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 sit down. So, of course, they discussed and... Uh, the woman has said, ah, she, she really doesn't blame me that if a doctor talks like that to her, she will not want to go back to the hospital. That she knows why I'm feeling like that, that maybe it was the way I was treated, but that she knows somebody else and that um, she would recommend because she's a retired um, now a cardiologist. Right. So she knows a lot of um, doctors involved in the assisted reproductive treatment, which we didn't know. So she scheduled a meeting for me. So my husband now said, ah, the issue now is how he's going to convince me to follow him because I've told him I'm no longer interested. Let's just leave it. Yeah. So because that day he just called me at work and was like, hey, let's go somewhere. And of course, my husband is into surprises. He likes doing things. <laughs> Like, where are we going? Ah, this time is a very busy period in my office. I don't want to leave today. And he said, he promised, he said, don't worry. I'll quickly just take you there and bring you back. It, it won't be long. And the next thing, I met myself in a clinic. <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, ah, so what am I doing here now? He said, don't worry. So I was still looking at him when I saw the elderly woman who I knew. So I greeted her. She was like, oh, please don't be angry. I was the one that planned this. <laughs> you know, you can now be angry with an elderly woman. So I yeah. had to free my face. But inside, I was really boiling. <laughs> what kind of sabotage is this? <laughs> anyway, I met the doctor, and um, he was quite ugly and kind. We spoke and was like, let's just um, go over my um, case history again and just... Do. So I was telling them, I said, all those tests that I've run, I'm not planning to do any tests again. If you want me to start running tests, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> so you see, I started giving them very laws and policies. Yeah. So I think later, the doctors, they were telling me that, ah, they just sense that this woman should just be troublesome. But I wasn't troublesome. Maybe the bad experience I had. So you was... see, I came with that attitude. So the person they now gave my file to was the person that was not around that day. Because according to them, they were like, mm, let them push this woman away. And thank God that was the woman that worked with me. She was also a lady, but she was quite understanding. Until today, we're still very good friends. That was how she took up the case. And we went for another cycle, which didn't work. 
And um, she encouraged me. She was like, well, don't let's give up. Let's still uh, try again. So I told myself, I said, okay. Um, now I started seeing, I know that this is something I want to do. And because it's something I want to do, don't let, don't, let me go for it. Um, medically, I've done everything I want to do, okay? I want to get my mind to be on this thing. What I've learned from my faith and the, with the word of God that with my faith, I can produce whatever I desire. So let me take time off and really get my attention on this thing, and which was what I did. I took some time off work and I told my boss I had to open up to her because she has also been asking, what is the plan? That's really what she wants to know. And I told her what I wanted to do. And she said, okay, it's fine. She gives me all the support. And of course, I took time off and I just spent time going through the word of God again to know um, what you see, to know the steps and the guidance I need to take in this matter. And you see, this is personal now because um, I know this is what I wanted to do. And I know that um, the word of God has said things about how to create what you want. And I knew that if I could get my mind on this thing, I will be able to achieve what I want. So I spent time at home going through the world by myself because I just know that um, I've had too much barrage of information, you know. I've gotten too many negatives down the line over the years and uh, it has sort of affected me. And I need to create the picture of what I want. I know that I want to have these children and I know that um, I'm gonna go the IVF way. Then mm -hmm. I now know that I need the word of God to help me to achieve what I want, uh, what I needed to do. I hope I'm communicating very well. Yes, yes, you are. Go on, thank you. So I did that and I took out time with the word. I took out time to write out my confession of what I want to get. And I took out time to speak those words to myself because um, I know that the word of God works. I know that um, I've used the word of God to do many things in my life. Yeah. I know, you know, I don't, I don't take the word of God lightly. I know what it has done for me and I know what it can do for me. And so I just needed to give it attention and focus at that time, which I did. And uh, I remember that when I was at home, my doctor kept calling, ah, madam, when are you coming back? You said you want to come back for this thing. Please come back. Um, I'm also praying with you. I just told her, I said, no, give me time. I need to give myself focus and attention. I know the kind of information I've had, you know, 17, as at that time, 15 years. And all, all I've had is negative, negative, negative. Somehow, somehow it affected me, you know, inside. I know, you know, personally, you know what you're going through. Yeah. Other people may not know, but I know that those negative information had sort of affected my psyche. It has sort of given me, um, it, it has sort of given me a picture that 
I don't think I'll be able to do this. So I needed to change that picture I'm seeing of myself so that uh, I could tell myself that, see, this thing is possible. You can do it, you can achieve it. And that was really what I did um, to myself. Just took myself through, I call it a worth therapy. It was a therapy because, you know, I needed to just clean my outlook of what I was seeing inside me and give myself a different picture of what I wanted to achieve. And mm -hmm. that really helped me because when I was now going for the feed cycle, um, as the doctors were talking, oh, madam, and these things were not working. I just told myself that, oh, no, I've prayed. This thing is gonna work. I keep telling myself, and it helped me against fear. Because right. most times when I'm going for IVF cycle, you know, that thing is just a, hey, hey, yeah, again, with this exactly. thing work. But you know that the fear, it was actually fear, anxiety, all those things that I was using the word of God to fight against. Because um, if you look through scripture, the word of God has said a lot about how to go against fear. So I've been so fearful inside and I needed to deal with that fear. And that was what I, I that achieved for me. It gave me a mindset and possibility that this thing is possible and I will not allow fear. So there was a time even during the cycle that the doctor was like, ah, uh, your follicles are not responding well. We might need to abort the cycle. And I just told myself, you know, that fear, I just told myself that no, no, no fear. I'm not going to. So I just told her, I said, so what do you need us to do now? And she was like, no, come back, come back next week. We'll redo this scan and see. I just got home and I just prayed and I thank God, that's good. I've prayed and I have a mindset of possibility that this thing is going to work. I don't know how, but I know that I will not allow fear because that fear was not coming to her. You better give up. It's going to fail. It's not going to work. So I just told myself, that, no, 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 no. I've prayed. I've used the mm -hmm. word of God. I know what the word of God has said. So fear, I'm not going to allow you. Even if this one does not work, I, I'll do another one. So please don't harass me. <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes you have to speak back like that because uh, fear is a spirit. So you just don't keep quiet. When it comes at you, you speak back. So I just told fear that fear, sorry, you cannot intimidate me. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. If this does not work, I'll go for another one. But please, no intimidations. <laughs> yeah. So I went back and um, I thank God that everything was fine. And for the first time in like um, 10 years, they were able to get um, six eggs because I kept oh, wow. telling people that I need, because the second, the first IVF, of course, they were able to get six eggs. They, they, they even got six embryo, which they kept. And um, this, they were only able to get one egg all this while. But this time around, they were able to get six eggs. And when my doctor said, wow, thank God. Because when I came back, she told me that, let's change your protocol. Let's change how we run your protocol. Let's do it another way. Mm. So did another way and it worked. They were yeah. able to get more eggs which became embryos so you see everybody was happy and mm. uh, we went through that cycle which still didn't work and of course that thought came that i told you and i said no 
I don't care what you tell me. Um, at least I'm one step better. This was cycle mm -hmm. that I've done. Um, the second one, the third one, the fourth one, all they could get was one egg. I said, but right. this time I got six. So I'm, exactly. I'm better now. You know, like somebody said, celebrate your small wins. It may not be exactly. a big deal, but at least it was, it was a step in the right direction. Yeah. So if these three didn't work, I still had three. And even then, my doctor too was like, okay, when you're going through this cycle, we're also going to process a donor. Where I just don't want any issues. Mm -hmm. you see, I was not again. And my husband called me back and said, no, you don't argue with your doctors. If you argue with her, she's going to have a mindset that you are not cooperative. Mm. You, you, say, you say you believe the word of God that I can produce for you. You use your word of God. Let them use the knowledge that they have. So, of course, a donor too was processed. And I was shocked when my doctor now came back. Can you believe it? Even your eggs were better. I oh, said, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You see, it was better. So, I had a um, frozen embryo. And um, immediately we finished. Of course, I was a bit, um, I felt a bit bad. But I encouraged myself that, well, I still have, at least, there's still embryos waiting for me that I could still use. So the doctor was like, ah, because the doctors who felt very bad, ah, what could have happened? Everything went well. The cycle was about the best that we've had for you and all that. So that maybe you should just wait. I said, no, 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 I'm not waiting. I, I know that I'm gonna get it. Let's go again. She was like, are you sure? Are you sure? I said, let's go for it. Let's go for it, you know, because and so we went for the sixth one. And uh, they even now use the frozen embryo. Right. And not only was it that they used the frozen embryo, you know, those embryos were just there because they were the ones that were left. They, you know, normally when you go through um, uh, assisted reproductive, they pick the best to use. Exactly. They were, it was just the remnant. <laughs> so it was the remnant that they used and they were even frozen embryo. And that was the one that worked all out. Wow. That was the one that produced the twins. That's amazing. Uh, amazing. So that's why I tell people that thank God for technology. Thank God for equality. Thank God for, but you see, there's still the God quality. There's still the God part of it that no man can ever understand. Who could have believed that it's the one they froze, then it is, it's the one that was the remnant. The ones mm -hmm. that were the best did not even give me the kind of result I wanted. But it yeah. was the remnant that gave the re results that we wanted. And um, that was it. That was really my, um, my journey. And immediately that happened. Of course, there was just joy all over, you know, because a lot of people have been like, wow, this thing happened finally. I say, yes, yeah. it did. And um, afterwards, I found out that people start calling me. Yeah. Ah, congratulations. Please, I'm also going through this thing. What did you do? So yeah. I told them, this is what I did. This was the process I used. This was the hospital I used. You know, I opened up and told them because 
Well, I think um, one of the issues we had was people thinking assisted reproductive uh, technology was a sin. I think it was a disservice mm -hmm. to many people, you know? So you are now sneaking to do it. I yeah. don't think, and I'm very sure of that because I've searched my Bible high and low. Even the doctors, it was God that gave them the wisdom. So how could he be wrong? How could he be wrong? So you see, a lot of people come and they just say, help me thank God. I was, I was trying to conceive now I have a baby. What did you do? Yeah. Help someone. Why can't you tell people? Why can't you help them? Imagine if somebody told me years down. Because really, I didn't know that there was something called um, assisted reproductive technology, IVF particularly. I didn't know. People, mm. I know that people go to the hospital, then you hear it, you know, then it wasn't like now that, thank God, now there are many platforms, many support groups. And that's why I had to thank you when we started. You know, when you educate and make people aware, sincerely, like a lot of people are still not aware of some things. So um, I told myself, I told myself and I told God, I said, God, as long as I live, I'm going to help as many women that I can. Information, they say, is power. Yes. Knowledge is power. And we really need to open up and help. I know people that didn't do IVF like me, but you see that awareness that, oh, you could, there's nothing wrong in going to the hospital. There's nothing wrong in using the word of God, prayer and faith. And of course I had a lot of uh, people in church that helped me. You know, I knew one mm -hmm. of my senior pastor that called me and said, hey, Missy, use the word of God, use prayer, use your faith. Now use the three. You see, yeah. I, I wish I had more people like that. But thank God, she came out. She encouraged me. I told her what I wanted to do. And she said, go ahead. Then my bosses in the office then, they supported me. They said, please go ahead. You understand. But mm. so I told myself, so I'm going to tell her as many people as I can. So I started. In fact, anytime people call me, I'm always so joyful. I take mm. out time. I teach them what I do even the confession I used at home for myself you know yeah. I gave it out to people I said see it you know the confession I was taking when I was pregnant I made it available to people then somebody now said ah, but how many people will know you and be able to call you now why don't you put yes. it in the book form I said book but I'm not an author I don't know how to write I said I can't talk I know that I'm good at talking. Allah, you need to know. You need to know yourself. I said, well, right. I said, I, I'm not very good at writing. So I said, God, if you really want me to write, then you have to help me because people are saying that. And guess what, Ola? I just found out that as many people I tell, many come back, oh, so thank you, PYE. Now I'm also pregnant, you know, like that. Oh, this yeah. was what I did. I went to the hospital. Some used donor, you know, many things. But you see, like they said, they said the fact that they are not alone, the fact that they know that exactly. somebody else has gone through this, uh, the fact that, oh, if I didn't get it now, I could do it again. There's nothing wrong in going 
after it again and again. I think it was uh, Margaret Thatcher that said something that um, there's nothing wrong in doing something over and over until you get it. You know, people feel that once you do it once and you feel you're a failure, you're not a failure. It's not everything that you get once. The fact that you don't get it once does not mean that you should not try again. Yeah. You could go over it again. There's nothing wrong in that. So many, I, I get a lot of people saying, oh, thank you, I did it. In fact, a lot of people went to the hospital I used. Mm. Some had been able to get it now. Some are still on the way, but they get back to me. I encourage them. Mm -hmm. I support them. And they're just happy that, oh, thank you. You know, somebody they could open up to and exactly. talk to, which was very critical, you know. Um, and that was what I wanted to be to people. I wanted to let them know that um, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I wanted to let them know that um, in case you are going through this, call me. I'll be there to help you, to hold your hand. If all I could do is just to hold your hand. If, we, if you want to cry, I'll cry along with you. At least know that there's somebody that have your back. Mm. Somebody that, in, in fact, there's some that I don't even know. Maybe just somebody just say, oh, I have this friend who, please, can you just let me talk? And I'm like, okay. At first, I was a bit shy, you know? Yeah. Uh, culture. You just don't come <laughs> and start saying such things. So that I won't, but I just had this um, passion and conviction for it that this person needs you. And I'll call them, I'll introduce myself. And I found that, that immediately I tell them that I do understand what you're going through. See, I also went through for this number of years. People just open up to me. Yeah. I've called people, I've, I've had to call many people even outside Nigeria that I counseled, you know, and they're like, oh, thank you. They're just talking to you. I just have hope. And I always feel so happy that whole somebody is just encouraged talking to me. And that was what better the bookola. Wow. And really, God helped me because I got someone that just came and sent me a private chat. Oh, I heard your testimony. I was so inspired. And mm. I'm an author. I write. Do you mm. mind if I help you write your book? And I was like, really? But then maybe because I was... Uh, busy with you know trying to take your twins at the same time yeah it was a lot of work for me i really didn't take her serious but later when that thought started coming and many people was like please put it in a book so that it can go to many more people yes i started thinking about it then i remembered her that oh it's true she told me she could write in fact there was somebody else that wanted to do it too but Summer, summer, uh, schedule and time were not um, meeting up. So she had to stop. But I now remember this. The one we remember was that she has a blog on Facebook. I mm. read one of her blogs and it was so encouraging. It was so beautiful. And Mickey writes. So I bust her and she was like, fine. So she was like, do you have any material they can use? I said, ah, material. Yes, your testimony is it written anywhere? I said no, it's not written. <laughs> <laughs> because I never knew I was going to write. It was not part of my plan. I didn't have a dream for it. I didn't, I never saw it as part of my life. 
And so she was like, okay, do you have anything? And then I remember that, oh, 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 okay. There was a time that I went to encourage them uh, somewhere. I think they said they had a recording. It was somebody that made me know they had a recording because she, the person went back to collect the recording, took it home to play for his wife. And they told me that they did exactly what I did, everything I spelt out there that I did. And today they have a set of twins too. So the guy called me to thank me that, um, thank you for that recording. I said, which recording? He said, you know, the day you came to encourage us, they recorded, I said, really? Please, can I have the recording? That was how I had the recording. So mm. it was the recording I sent to the author. And of course, with a lot of voice notes and, you know, um, charts, phone call, that was how she was able to help me um, edit the book and put the book together. And that mm. was how within the promise came into being. That was that was just it. <laughs> wow, what a journey. It's a journey. Yes, it was a long one. <laughs> well, first off, congratulations on your twins. Uh, that is such you. an amazing testimony. And thank we just you. thank God for you know making it happen and bringing the right people in contact with you. Yeah. Um, when you said that you the lady wanted to the other lady wanted to give your husband fruits for the kids you know that might have sounded like a trigger for many and I'm sure it was for him as well but it was yeah. just that he opened up an opportunity and yeah. um, brought you in contact with the people that God was going to use to uh, help to birth the promise that he had given yeah. to you yeah. yes you're right so that yeah, was just amazing. And we're so glad that you're sharing, you know, like you said, lots of people probably did the same thing many years ago, but no one was speaking about it. And then mm -hmm. you chose to speak about it. What, what do people, did you have any, you know, of course, I know that you mentioned that lots of people reached out to you and lots of people have been helped, but did you have people as well that were, you know, wondering perhaps this was not, that didn't necessarily have a positive um, response to you sharing that you used uh, fertility treatment um, when perhaps in their opinion you should have just waited on God? Um, well, it's possible. But yeah. you know, it, when people open up to you to say, why didn't you wait on God? Why do you? That's when you know. Yeah. But I, I don't think... Now, at the top of my head, now I don't really think I could pin anyone that actually said that. Right. And I think that is due to um, the, the times we have now, because mm -hmm. um, this is the information age. And there are a yes. lot of people now that have, so, there are a lot of support group now yeah. that um, support women. And that's one thing I tell people now that, man, this is the best times. Mm. You can go to a lot of social media platforms and you get a lot of support from people. Yeah. You get people that are able to open up and actually tell you their own journey, what they're going through, yeah. you know, and how to help you. Um, it wasn't like that sometimes back, you know. So yeah. now I think people are more open to it because I remember that um, 
even the clinic I used, the doctor then was like, people were so ashamed. Yeah. Coming to the clinic. This is clinic. That, that's why they had to coin the name. If you go to there, well, I've not been there in a while, but the last time I went, the signpost there was so tiny. It looks mm -hmm. as if you are going to maybe, and even the lobby and the lounge, you will never know it's a clinic. He said that they had to do it like that because people really didn't want to be associated with, you know, those kind of things. But these days you hear people tell you that this is what I'm doing. And you're like, wow, thank God. Yeah. We're opening up. Of course, there's still so many people that are closed in their mind that mm. don't feel that, no, no, it shouldn't be that way. So I think they just need education, information. And yeah. that's why... Uh, and that was one of the reasons why I also went into what I'm doing. It was just to let people know that please don't be like a, like, is there an ostrich that they say <laughs> hide in the sand? Yeah, don't be like that because um, there are too many support group now. There's so much information yeah. around now that you could use and many opportunities or like, Every day in the medical world, they are discovering even better technology. Yes. For the men, there are many more technologies now to help a man. Unlike before, that you had some certain kind of challenges, that's just it. Yeah. And well, I tell people, I said, they are, make use of the opportunities now. There are many options now. Decide the one you want to. But and like I tell people, like I told myself then, I told you, Ola, it's not it's not a do or die thing, you know. If it's what you want to do, then use the opportunities that are available to you. If it's something you don't want to do, leave it. Because there was a time I left it and nobody was disturbing me. I told my husband that I'm, I'm, if that's it. I'm off it. I'm tired. And mm. that was just it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I look for other That was what I did. So I told people, yeah. I said, if it's really what you want to do, use available opportunities, um, go for knowledge, because uh, in dealing with women, I mentor and I coach a lot of women, have groups. I found out that a lot of them still don't have some information. Right. And I use those groups to let them know of the available opportunities that they have. We can use and um, so I'm happy that there are many support groups now and information is open now and they could pick. I think it was somebody that was asking me about um, how to adopt in my right. you know before people don't talk about that openly. No, no. So I just directed that to one of the groups I follow on um, IG to yeah. get the information she needed and she got the information and she was fine. Oh, that's wonderful. So thankful for all that you're doing and, and you know, for, for following all those uh, thoughts in your mind and you wanted to help so many other people and writing your book, Birthing the Promise. So how can people purchase your book for someone listening and wanting to buy it? Okay, uh, the book is available on Okada Bookstore. Um, Okada Bookstore is a large bookstore, which is... Um, the app is on Google, 
place. Okay. And it's open to particularly people in Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. And okay. of course, the book is also available on Amazon. So nice. all the Amazon store worldwide. If you just um, um, search for Basing the Promise, you get it there. And for those of us in Nigeria, my you, you could send a private um, chat to me, a DM. And mm -hmm. of course, I have uh, one of the stores that carries the book. And now I'm trying to get their name. I think I'll send it to you. Like, okay, so I can put that in the notes as well. Yes, yes, please. That's wonderful. That carries the book. Okay. And for anyone that wants to reach out to you as well, is it the best place to reach you on Instagram? Yes, on Instagram, my handle is Bethany underscore their promise and on Facebook too. I have okay. a Facebook group, the same name, Bethany the Promise. Wow. I have address there. And of course, you could also send me um, a chat on my direct line, which okay. I send to you. Yes. Those are okay. And I put that in the notes as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and just to ask, you know, the whole your whole journey and when you were trying, um, how would you say that the whole the whole fertility journey and the experience, how did it impact you? Did it change you as a person? And how did it impact your relationship with your husband? Mm, yes, it did. Because first of all, I realized that once you, you go through some things you may never even be aware that yeah. it's happening you understand you know sometimes we we can be so unaware of things others go through because you've never gone through it you don't even know that that um that it exists uh what do i mean by that that until i went through my fertility journey i just mm -hmm. thought that Everybody just marry and they give it full stop. Yeah. You know, I just had that mindset that that's just it, you know. And that really made me become aware, number one. It made me become compassionate because I could now understand that people can really go through some challenges, not because they are different, not because there's something wrong with them, yeah. Like somebody wisely said that bad thing can happen to good people because I remember somebody, you know, we also have a program when we pray. Yes. And um, I get a lot of people who come together, we pray together. And I remember somebody saying, ah, oh, Ma, she sent me a private chat, Ma, she doesn't know why this is happening to her. She has been good. And then she don't, and I said, it's not a matter of being bad. You mean, um, when you have fertility issues because you are bad, it's not about being bad. It could mm. happen. It happened to me. I'm not bad. I didn't know it would happen, but it happened. And yeah. well, it is so it, it made me more compassionate. It helped me to be able to help people because what I've now gone through, I'm, I've also been able to use it to apply to any other areas of life. You know, I've yeah. had people that maybe they have challenges in their work, in their business, and they feel that, oh, maybe they did something wrong. It's not because you did something wrong. It could happen. But what I tell people is that where it has happened now, what are you going to do about it? So that made me, made me aware. It made me compassionate. It made me um, 
to be able to help others. That's yeah. what he needed. Then the impact. In fact, I will say that I'm the one that was harassing my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Not the other way. You, say, you know, a lot of women say that uh, their husband harassed them. Yeah. I was, I was the one saying, hey, what are we now doing? And he's always saying, don't worry, it will happen. Calm down, calm down, you know? Mm. So I think I, I was more, I was more, uh, how do I, how do I say that now? I was, I, I was really more anxious Concerned about anxious, it. Yeah. Yes, I, I, he, he was very, very supportive. He was very, very understanding. And he was just my go-to person, you know? Mm. When everything looks bleak, black, dark, yeah. just knows the right word to get oh, me out wow. of it. Um, there was a time that I just felt, I mean, I don't want to be going for functions because mm. everybody will just be looking at, even when you are not looking, when they are not looking, I just sense that. You feel they like they're looking, yeah. So that's another thing. So, yeah. and was I so, are you not going to say, because people are looking at you, isolate yourself? No, you've got to live your life. You don't live your life for people. If they are looking, let them look. If they are talking, let them talk. If yeah. they have a problem, let them come and meet you and you will answer them. So that snapped me out because there was a time I wanted to hide and I was just like, oh no, I'm not going to be going for function. Well, he didn't, he didn't allow that. He, he pushed me, encouraged me, and I started living my life. I so lived my life that some people feel that are you serious at all about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because well, I really, I was one joyful person. And if somebody is hearing me now, please, I like to say this. Please be joyful. Maintain your joy. Because I tell people, I said, can you imagine, Ola, if all the 17 years I was moody, mm -hmm. I was grouchy, I was angry. Yeah. So that means I lost 17 years of my life. Mm. so I I maintain does that mean that it's not something I'm thinking about I'm thinking about it just like it could have been any other thing but I just refuse to allow that to dictate my life after my husband spoke to me I told myself that that's true I've got to live my life there's so many other areas that makes up a life that is just yes. one aspect of life it is not the totality of my life. Okay, so if in this area, I'm still struggling to do it, what about the other areas? Am I going to allow it to die? No way. I've got to make myself happy. So I started yeah. being happy, being joyful. And that was what helped me to be able to tutor and mentor so many people, so many other people. And I did today, I get people say, ah, that's all. Um, thank you so much, PYE. Um, you, you, you created, you, you know, you had this atmosphere of joy all around you. I said, sometimes it's, it's intentional. I just tell myself that I'm going out and I refuse to be moody or angry. Even if people are looking at me, let them look. Even if they are going to criticize me and think I'm very unserious, let them see it. I am going to be joyful. I say, most times I have to talk, I have to talk myself up 
but I did it and I'm so happy that I did it, that I didn't waste those areas of my life. In my career, I did well. In my family life, you know, I looked at other very important and critical areas of my life. I was able to do it very well to the best of my knowledge. And I'm so happy that I didn't allow one area to affect every other area. So that's one thing I'm very thankful for being for. So that's, yeah. that's just mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's very important. I think for lots of people just to be aware that and to hear you say that as well, and to maintain their joy as much as possible uh, yeah, uh, while, in, while waiting. And I also yeah. love the fact... Yeah, and I will also love the fact that you mentioned that it's not a punishment because sometimes people think that uh, them waiting is because it is something mm-hmm. wrong and people might make yeah. you feel that way. So yeah. it's, it's, it's wonderful that you also highlighted that and you share that as well. I think that's yeah. really helpful. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I know that, you know, you, you mentioned earlier as well in terms of people making insensitive comments uh, at mm-hmm. certain times. So... Now, for anyone listening, either, you know, they might not be going through fertility issues. What do you wish people knew in general about fertility struggles and infertility? People in, as a society, what mm-hmm. do you wish we all knew about it? What I wish people to know is that stop um, stigmatizing people, you know, mm-hmm. making them feel as if they don't, they don't have a child, they are less a woman. Says who? I think it's so wrong. Yeah. Everybody have their own areas where they are struggling. I don't think you are less of a man or a woman. If I hear that you're sick with cancer, I'm compassionate. I support you. So why exactly. should, uh, because somebody is going through fertility, you now make them feel as if, you know, because I read a lot of comments. There was somebody that told me one day that um, she, um, I think her sister-in-law, got pregnant and mm. everybody in the family they didn't tell her so they were organizing the naming ceremony and she was not invited why for god's sake why on other day i wept i don't know this so sad. i met her like yeah. i just felt so bad that but why okay in their defense was that they didn't want her to feel bad <laughs> excuse me that my sister-in-law gave it does not mean I will not have money. So why? Exactly. It's just this stigmatization is just, particularly in this area of, uh, of the world. Yeah. Be compassionate, be supportive. And can you please mind your business? Because you don't <laughs> even know. It's true, because you don't even know their plan. Maybe they never even wanted to have. So why are you exactly. feeling sorry for them? You understand yeah. what I mean, Bola? So mm. you can't be supportive. If they open up to you that this is what they're going through, okay, help them, encourage them, be there for them. I had few but very good friends that were just there for me. You know, they were just friends that when I'm feeling a bit down, I could call. And yeah. I know that these are people that will talk me up. And just let me know that no, it's not the end of the world. Don't worry, we're there for you. So um, everybody needs that anyway. So that's yes. on one side. Then on the other side too, you know, like I said, that sometimes we just have this feeling that maybe people are looking at us. 
Um, also, I like to encourage those going through fasting. It's not everybody that is against you. So don't, that somebody was, uh, has an attitude or very insensitive. Don't let's take that attitude to everybody. Some people are quite um, sympathetic and supportive and uh, right. don't let us cut them off. You know, you said something now that what the woman, the lady doctor said could have cost the trigger. But yeah. uh, my husband received those words in the right attitude. But mm -hmm. because we, and we didn't know she was the one that would take us to the- Exactly. Kingdom. So sometimes somebody can just be the help that you need. So don't cut, don't cut people off abruptly like that because they may just be the help that you need. They may just have an information. They may yeah. have something that you might require from them. So it's really both ways. But I know that, you know, uh, because of the too many negatives, people try to just close themselves in. Uh, please, I don't want anybody to hurt me or make me feel bad. But please also remember that there are still good and very kind people out there that yeah. to want to be supportive and want to be helpful. Because um, in, in doing the books, you know, there were some people I knew that I knew were going through this. And I actually spoke to some of them personally, you know. Mm. And uh, there's some people that also told me that, ah, and I know that this person is going through, but they don't know how they feel. They give them the book, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, are you not close to this person? I said, it matters the way you present it. I said, because most times people shield themselves because of their heart, because of the insensitive, insensitive words that you heard. Maybe if yeah. you come from um, an area of friendship and support, they will open up to you. I say, and also it's a book. So don't give it as if you are giving them to as a, uh, you must read this. It's a so, gift. Just send it as a gift. Oh, I forgot to mention something. I remember years back that um, uh, I want to thank God for you and this Zacchaeus. Our book yes. was one of the books that helped me. God's waiting room. And guess mm -hmm. who gave me the books? My neighbor. Oh, wow. My neighbor. She was my friend anyway, but she just bought the books. Later, she was telling me that uh, we were mm -hmm. very close and we talked. Of course, she knew all the things I was going through. She said when she felt that she should buy those books, she didn't know the spirit with which I would take it. But she just told herself that she would give me as a book. And fortunately, we read together. We love reading. So we exchange mm. books. So she brought the books and she gave them to me as a gift. So even if I was angry, or yeah. maybe I felt that who sent you, because that was really what I felt. <laughs> <laughs> because she gave it with the mind that I'm giving my friend a gift. I couldn't yeah. refuse them. I took it to as a gift. When I took them, I dumped them somewhere. But guess what? One day, I picked them up. I started reading. That was one book that lifted my spirit. That made me know that I'm not alone. Because sometimes I felt I was alone. Because it was just as if everybody around me was popping babies. Yes. But when I read those books, I was so encouraged. I said, oh, so a lot of people have gone through these challenges. Oh, no. Okay. So I'm not alone. That also encouraged me. So 
that's what I tell people that is both ways, but uh, yeah, we could navigate, we can navigate it together and yeah. uh, let us just be friends with them. Because if I want uh, to even reach out to you about this thing, I don't start with it. I first of all try to be your friend because yeah. you aha, because if I'm your friend, you are more open to me than just coming from the position of I want to tell you about what you are going through. I think also that's a wrong attitude. People don't need that. They need a friend, they, but they don't need you to come and tell them how to run their life. So that's that's my um, that's my counsel to a lot of people. Well said. I hope I, was, I, hope I, I said it well. <laughs> It was perfect. <laughs> There's nothing else that could have been added to that. Thank you so much. This has been so amazing. Um, and I know that earlier you mentioned that, you know, you were really focusing a lot of, uh, on the word of God and you were taking time before you went back for the other cycle. Mm -hmm. So just for anyone listening, would you like to share one or two of those um, words that kept you going yeah. uh, during the journey? Okay. Thank you so much for that, Ola. Yes, um, one of the scriptures that really got me going, I can never forget that scripture. It's so, it became so profound to my heart and it's in the book of Romans chapter four. See, the Bible says that and when there seems to be no hope, you know, when everything nice. is hopeless, because uh, Abraham too and Sarah, they went through most of the things we went through because sometimes people think that those characters in the Bible are just feeble. They're also real human beings like us. So they, they, the only thing they had was just hope that God has said it. How yeah. it will happen, they also didn't know. So they had to keep up their hope. And I like it in the Amplified. So uh, I read it. You know, when I get a scripture like that, I read it in many versions. So it, be, it comes home to me. I, I can hold on to it because the word of God is, uh, you can bank on it. You can hold on to it. And it, it, it is written to comfort us, to encourage us. So um, I like to encourage someone with the word that when everything looks hopeless, um, the doctors were at first not even sure what where to start from. It took a long time before they even discovered some of the challenges we had. But that word kept me going that when things look bleak and dark and hopeless, I still choose to hope because what God said he is able to do. Things mm -hmm. he said it is able to do it. So that was one that was one scripture that I really loved so much. Then the other one, can I read it, Ola? Of course, yes. Okay, so I'm reading from the Amplified, Romans 4, 18. So it says that for, um, let me start from 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the sight of God in whom he believed. And this God is the one that gives life to the dead and speak of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So that's really mm -hmm. touched me. Then he now said, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, because 
um, by the time they were now advanced in age, of course, according to the Bible, Abraham's farm cells were dead because he was old. And Sarah's womb, the Bible says, he was dead and dead because even when she was young, she was unable. So at this age, you know, she had passed menopause. That's what the Bible meant by dead. Hmm. So they, their hope, all the hope was gone. They, but they hoped in faith because of what God said that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So God promised him, he held on to that word. So numberless shall your descendant be. So verse 19 says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was a hundred years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead in womb, because Sarah was past menopause, no unbelief or distrust made him waver. That, that word I took her time to say doubtingly question concerning the promise of God because he had many opportunities to question. I had many opportunities to question that why is it happening like this? What's going on? But when I remember this, he said, but he grew strong and he was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. And that was what kept Abraham going. So on those 17 years, this was one word that kept me going that I know what God has told me personally and I could hold on to that word. And even when all hope seems lost, when everything looked dark and bleak and it was as if nothing was going to happen, I could hold on to this word and that was it. Then the second one is um, the book of Hebrews. This one too is very beautiful. When um, it spoke about Sarah, Hebrews 11, 6, and um, hold on please. Sarah, 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 when you spoke about Sarah. Okay. Hebrews 11, verse 11. He said, because of faith also, Sarah herself received physical power to conceive a child, even when she was long past the age for it, because she considered God who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. Why was this very significant to me? Because, you know, by the time I went back for the fourth cycle, I was over 40. And mm. any little thing, the doctors would be like, you know, madam, you're not over 40. You know, madam, you're not over. I was like, yeah. Now, wow, this I'm over 40. Is it because you know my age? <laughs> that was what I said. <laughs> it's because you know my age. If I have told them I was 35, oh, this year over 40, you're over 40. You know, yeah. Yeah. So this, this was, I, I use this one to encourage myself because when you are, when you are there and you keep hearing, you know, you're over 40, you know, you I said, this is well with me, this over 40. So this really encouraged me. So, and I was asking the doctor, I said, before we go to school, you know, get all our degrees. Thank you, Ola. Because I asked my doctor one day, I said, 
God help us. So is it that we should no longer go to school? We exactly. should not. Because you need to plan your life too now. And yeah. now you're not because you're over 40. I said there are now many over 40s that Schools. want to. Yeah, so so what are we gonna do about it? I said, well, by the way, I even married early. I married in my uh, late 20s and i didn't even get it there so what do you mean by it's because you're not over 40 madam you know you know adopt your stuff so, <laughs> i hope this to encourage somebody because yes. they may just be telling you know you're now they even say you know you're over 35 and i was like wow so just use this to this really kept me going that they said i was 99 but the bible say she received the power, the physical power, the ability to conceive a child. So I'll leave these words with you and I hope it encourages you even as yes. you strengthened me and encouraged me. And the beauty of the word of God is that you can hold on to it. He doesn't yes. fail. He never fails. He's not a man, so he doesn't change. So you can really hold on to it and God is ever faithful. Thank you so much, PYE. That was really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. That really inspired me and I'm sure that it will inspire and encourage so many other people. Thank you. This has been uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't stop thanking you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you coming from you. Um, thank, coming platform, from you, PYE. Your platform is one of the platforms. The, when I get to... IG every day. I go to your, <laughs> I go to your platform first. I read everything. So full of information. Thank you. Thank so, you so, so much. Me. That's really sweet. Thank you. Um, on a final note, any final words that you'd like to give us? Yeah. I will live with any listener. Yes. My final word is live your life. You are very important. Live your life and live it joyfully live it well. Um, like I always tell myself and I tell people now that this, whatever place you are now in the fertility, it's not your destination. You're just on the way. You surely get to your destination. So live your life. Yes. Don't, people are going to say things that will get you upset, get you offended, insensitive, because we live in the world, but just live your life. And I remember that, uh, you know, people can be careless with their word. Yes. This person does not even know me. So it's not as if the person knew I was trying to conceive. But they, I can't remember. I don't, I try not to remember such words. But the person said something very, very insensitive. I first of all wanted to get upset. Then and I said, she's just careless because she didn't even know that. I'm trying to conceive anyway. So she's not somebody that is close to me. So she didn't know she was just careless. So, yeah. yeah. So even if people around us are sensitive, uh, the world will you keep meeting people that are quite insensitive. So you just carry your atmosphere of joy and live your life because you are you are very important. You have so many lives to bless. So this area should not um, control or dictate your life. That's wow. my final word. Yes. Thank you so much, PYE. This really has been so informative, so insightful. And I really love how honest you've been in the entire session, just mm, really being open you. and sharing. I think lots of people 
will definitely be encouraged uh, and will reach out to you as well. So happy Thank that you. you you decided to write this book, Birth and the Promise, and you didn't keep your journey to yourself. You helped mm -hmm. it to encourage so many people. So even mm -hmm. though the fact that, yes, there's a lot more awareness now, but there are still lots of people uh, that need to hear your story, that need to be encouraged by your support mm -hmm. group, that yeah. just really need people to say you're not alone and that you know you went through something similar and you have mm. an understanding of what they're going through so thank you so much for all that you're doing and for for being here today and for sharing your story um it has blessed all of us i mean i have been blessed immensely and i'm so glad that you shared those two verses as well i will meditate and use it so thank you so much thank you Allah. thank you thank you so much and we look forward to having you again in the near future with us. Oh, why not? I'll be happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.